It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Who they think they're going to beat them Bengals? It is the Locked On Bengals podcast with your hosts Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Not great news today, and all of this has to do with things that have nothing to do with 2019, nothing to do with the future, but everything to do with the past. Ken Anderson left the NFL a record holder, a former MVP, an all-pro, a league leader several seasons in major categories, era-adjusted, one of the best quarterbacks to ever play the game, and somehow in a year with an expanded class of seniors being considered for the Hall of Fame, he didn't even make the list of finalists. And what a shame. I think everyone felt like this was a foregone conclusion when the rules and the procedure was announced last year that they were going to bring in all these seniors. Everyone thought this is the chance for Kenny Anderson. Uh, You felt a swell of support for him. And I think Bengals fans just felt that his name would be amongst those finalists announced today. Paul Daner of TheAthletic.com did a piece on Ken Anderson's career today. He actually talked to Anderson on Wednesday congratulating him preemptively for what was, as you said, Joe, a foregone conclusion. Only later today did we learn that Ken Anderson didn't make the list. Here's a list of quarterbacks who made at least four Pro Bowls, one All-Pro, one an MVP, and led the league in passer rating or yards per attempt more than once and didn't get into the Hall of Fame. It's Ken Anderson. That's the list. That's what Paul Dana wrote on TheAthletic.com, and that just gives you an idea, for Bengals fans in particular, of how striking it is that Ken Anderson didn't get in. And that doesn't even talk about guys like Ken Riley, who is one of the all-time leaders in interceptions, Lamar Parrish, an all-time great in his own right at cornerback, There are a few guys for the Bengals that didn't even get considered that I think a lot of fans were ready to see, especially in this expanded list of seniors who were eligible for the Hall of Fame in this special year. And it won't be their year, as far as we know today. Shifting our focus to the present, we have a practice injury update. And the biggest news is that Joe Mixon was a limited participant in practice today, showing up with a calf injury. 
We have no idea if it's serious or not. Michael Jordan, meanwhile, was upgraded from a DNP to a full participant in practice with a neck injury, while Darius Phillips and John Miller remained out with an illness and concussion, respectively. Darius Phillips hasn't played a bunch since coming back from IR. Just one snap last week. I was really hoping to see him. Hopefully he gets healthy, if not this week, for the final week of the season so we can see him on defense uh, at full speed. And Billy Price looks to be the one to start at right guard if John Miller doesn't pass concussion protocol by tomorrow and get on the practice field. So give Billy Price another chance to show anything. And I really hope Billy Price seizes the opportunity. This is another chance for him, like you said, Another chance for a guy that was a first-round pick just a year ago to just prove that he can be an NFL starter. And I would really like to see him seize that opportunity because if he can do it, if he can step up, that is a big relief for a team that needs help at a lot of positions because then you can feel good about guard or at least better about guard going into 2020. For the Dolphins, some significant injury updates. Nick Needham, one of the guys who stepped up at corner for the Dolphins this year, is an upgrade from limited to full. Albert Wilson upgraded from limited to full at wide receiver. And Devontae Parker, who is enjoying a bit of a breakout year, just signed an extension, upgraded from limited to full as well. So the Dolphins seem to be working their way back a little bit with the guys that at least aren't on the IR yet to get a little bit healthy for this game in Miami. So, Joe, I know you're nervous. How are you feeling today, our last show before the big game? How are you feeling? The big game being the Dolphins game. That's been the Super Bowl, if you will. I kind of been trying to – it's hard for me because I um, – for most of the year, for at least the majority of it now, I've been hoping they maintain their position in the draft and trying to think of things – in the opposite light, right? Like, okay, wins are actually losses. Losses are actually wins in the long run. Um, but while also being encouraged by some of the young players that are playing well, and you want to see that, and you, you actually you need that. You hope for it, and you hope for the coaches to coach better. And the Bengals are on an upward trend since the, the bye week. So I'm looking at Miami. I look at the roster. I've watched some games. They are bad. They're worse than the Bengals. And they've put up points this year, and they've played hard at times. And they can beat you, of course, because it's the NFL. But this is their best, the Bengals' best chance of getting a second win. And if that's the case, it gets really dicey heading back to Cincinnati for Week 17 against the Browns, needing a loss to secure the number one overall pick. This is really one of the few bad teams they play all year. Yeah. We've seen them play the Browns relatively close. We saw them crush the Jets. And, and now it's Miami. These are the three easily, by far, worst teams that they have played all year. You could point to maybe the Steelers the first time they played before Cardinals. that defense really gelled. But the Steelers' defense has come along, and now they're one of the best defenses in the NFL somehow, mm -hmm. despite Mark Barron playing coverage for them and losing, who was it? Stephon Tuitt? Yep. Anyway. I get where you're coming from here. I totally see the risk. I just think that in Miami, with Fitzmagic going, Devontae Parker stepping up, it'll be an interesting game. I think it'll be a close game. I yep. share your nerves. But going into the Jets game, I was like, there's no way the Bengals are going to win this Jets game. On paper, mm -hmm. there, there's no way. And then they just come out, Andy Dalton's hot, and we'll see if any of that fire carries over into this game because it's been a few weeks where they've kind of 
been laying eggs now since that first game back. Right. That Jets game was obviously the one I think about. Other than that, they've scored almost, they've struggled to score 14, let alone 20 points. So uh, these are two of the bottom scoring teams in the NFL. And I just think this is going to be like a 20 to 21 game. And it's going to come down to some fluke play coin flip that can land this either way. And for what's at stake, that is way too close for me to feel comfortable. Yeah, it doesn't feel very good. I would really have loved it if they, they being Miami, had somehow won that Jets game that they really should have won. That mm-hmm. really sucked for us. The refs that week were, were very bad to us. On the other hand, they did sneak out that win against the Eagles in the week prior. There's the other scenario that we haven't really talked about yet, which is if New England wins this week, Baltimore wins this week, and I think Kansas City loses this week. New England seed is locked in at number two. And we have seen Bill Belichick do this before. He could very easily rest guys oh, yeah. and say, you know what? We're, we're not going to risk injury. We're going to get healthy. It's, we have two bye weeks now. And you would really expect that to happen. And we'll see, right? We'll, we'll just see. That, that'll be interesting. Because Miami plays New England week 17. You didn't mention that. So, yes, if the Bengals beat Miami, right, that's very important. If Bengals beat Miami, we now need uh, Miami to win the next game. Hopefully the Giants win one game. Just you'd want to stay within the top two if all possible. Especially with Tua Tungo-Viola tweeting, decisions, decisions. Right. With the thinking emoji, like he's thinking about going back to school. So, Joe, we are ready to look forward at this Miami game in a little bit of detail here. I know we have some questions left from yesterday. Guide me for the rest of the show. Where are we going next? Well, I guess we should look at this matchup a little bit more in depth. And even though, you know, we start doing that on crossover Wednesday, I think this is the opportunity for us, you and I to throw some ideas back and forth, what we want to see, what we expect to see. I'll start it off with the, report of uh or the injury report of joe mixon being on there with uh, a minor injury what it seems at least so far and he's 75 yards away from a thousand so i'd if he plays i'd like to see that but it leads me to a couple guys that i think i want to see play before the year is over and one of them is, at running back is travion williams should we not see him at least once one carry should we not see him pass protect catch a pass anything i when you look at it in the you know, it's only a six-round pick, but they did spend two picks on a running back, and they've done nothing with it yet. And Joe Mixon's been good, and there's no reason to take him off the field, and you can't even find enough snaps for Geo. But I would like to see Travion Williams in some capacity. And if Mixon is dinged up at all, maybe he gets his 70, 50 yards, whatever, and then they're like, okay, that's enough for you. We'll get you over a 1,000 next week, and off you go. Let's get a look at these young guys. I also really want to see Darius Phillips on defense. I don't know what the hesitation is there, but they're bringing in other guys to play that extra safety. He's not getting snaps at corner. What's the insistence on playing B.W. Webb in these last couple games of the season when you have a guy who could even be better in Darius Phillips if Phillips is healthy, which given that he's active, he's out there returning kicks, I have to imagine that they can count on his body to hold up at this point. So what are we gaining by running B.W. Webb out there to cover right. Devontae Parker on the outside instead of giving Darius Phillips a shot. Yeah, I'm gonna. that was going to be my number two player. I'm in a complete agreement with that. Uh, I think it took too long to get 
Clayton Fedulum out on the field again. It took a Brandon Wilson to go into IR. They use Fedulum a little bit differently, as expected. Those are two different, two different players. Uh, but Sean Williams is playing more linebacker lately, so uh, I want to see more Fedulum down the stretch. I'd like to see Andrew Brown get more snaps at D-tackle. Um, I guess overall, Stephen Carter, the way he played last week, why not give him a few more snaps? Because you yeah. could be going into tight end next year with just C.J. Ozama and Drew Sample. Is, is Stephen Carter good enough to be number three? He looks like it, but we just don't see enough on offense with him uh, to be sure, and I'd like to see that. And I did get to see Seathan Carter when I was down in Cincinnati, and I've talked about this every time we bring up Seathan Carter. He had a beautiful deep route and catch at the training camp practice I've watched, and so he has the receiving chops. He's just not asked to do it very often. But you make a good point about the safety rotation. Greg Maben, for some reason, getting in yeah. for the Bengals the last couple of weeks. He only has nine snaps on the season, but why? Brandon right. Wilson's hurt, so you bring up Greg Maben. Use Clayton Fedgelin, right? Just use the guys that could contribute. I don't know. Maybe they want to see what Greg Maben can do. The other guy that's a recent call-up that I want to see is the linebacker, Brady Sheldon. I talked about him on the podcast Tuesday or whenever that move happened. He has a ton of athleticism, 95th percentile athlete. If he's gained any weight whatsoever, he was at like 220 as a linebacker when he came out. If he's up at 230 now and still has some of that athleticism because it's speed, it's agility, it's burst, it's everything. He just came out of a small school. So I would like to see if the Bengals will give him any run on defense because we have seen some of those end of the roster linebackers get a few snaps. Guys like Jordan Evans, Hardy Nickerson getting a few snaps a game. And whatever happened to Leroy Reynolds? I know. They figured out he sucked. I mean, we were watching him. Right. It took a while. But after the bye week, we never saw him again. Is he still on the team? Yeah, he's still on the team. Has he been a game day inactive? Or is he he even getting snaps? Let's look. On special teams. Yeah, let's look look at this before we go too far with this. Watch. He was cut six weeks ago. Nobody knew. He got three (laughs) snaps in week 12. That's the last time he played on defense. Yeah, yeah, it's been a while since we've seen him. Yeah, so I guess uh, overall, I was looking at, you know, obviously the prospect of losing this game. Paul Denner tweeted today, if the Bengals were at the 40 and kneeled it three times in a close game, how would you feel? A lot of people said, yeah, like, that's a great move. Do it, right? Like 70, 30, I think it was when I looked at it. It was 80, when I looked. Great. (laughs) So I started to think, what are creative ways to tank this game. And I, if you've got an idea or you can think of anything, and I'm speaking to the listeners, uh, tweeted at the lockdown account. Cause a lot of people were, were writing things or tweeting things today. And I'm like, yeah, these are, that's how you tank without either a really like over overtly. Oh, that's <laughs> over. <overtly. laughs> that's not the right way to do it. It's a lot. Keep going. I know that's, that's not English. So I'm just laughing at that. Even if you overtly, look like you're uh, tanking. I think that's funny. Like I said, turn Trey Hopkins around, snap it right at the defense. <laughs> yes, please. Can you do that? Right. I'd like to see that. But uh, other ways that you could like just tank and sneak tank it more than the other team. And if they try to ramp it up, is this going to look like the Pro Bowl where each team's trying to lose? No, it, it won't because the players won't do it. I wonder if we'll notice any players that just don't give a shit at this point. They all do. They're all playing for something or another, right? Like all these guys. You hear the way they talk. Mixon's playing for 1,000 yards. Dalton's playing for his next contract. The offensive linemen potentially playing for next contracts at several positions or for their jobs next year. 
everybody on defense playing for something. Carlos Dunlap, Geno Atkins, they have their sack competition. That's right. They have some free agents uh, on, in the secondary. Everybody's playing for, for money or for bragging rights or something. I just – the players aren't going to lay down. And there's nothing the coaches can do either, right? Like, yeah, you could play Travion Williams. But how much of a step back is – I mean, it's a significant step back from Mixon, who's playing like the best running back in the NFL right now. But Exactly. You could decide to punt. You can yeah. ask Randy Bullock to kick 50 yarders. Yeah, do all that, right? Like punt right. from – punt on fourth and ten. Actually, Onside kick. Surprise onside kicks. Better yet, rather than punting from midfield, kick field goals from midfield. Give up the it, field position. Be like, we want to see if Randy Bullock can kick 55 yarders. Go for it on fourth and five from from your own 25. From your own 30, sure. Right. And you know what, though? Some of the analytics may say, yo, you're right. Go for it. <laughs> fourth and five. Yeah, that's good. But uh, so it's kind of funny. I'm kind of reversing my, my well, logic not, here. And probably not, not with from a your bad own territory. Offense, but not with a, a shitty offense. Also. I mean, there's, there's also that. That factor. You don't want to do that. So, yeah, I think those are. I think onside kicks, though, is actually a good idea. Like, if I was Zach sure. Taylor and I was in on the tank, yeah, come out right out and surprise onside kick. What do you got to lose? If they if they recover it, great. They got great field position. Yeah, I don't think Zach's in on the tank. I think he's watching Joe Burrow and in, in on the tank. I don't. I don't. He's a first-year head coach. I think he's like, I don't want to be 1-15. I think that is part of the question, huh? Who is in on the tank? Because jokingly, everyone's been in on the tank no when one. they've made a bad play or a bad decision, right? No one is in on the tank. Oh, I mean, jokingly, everyone is. Who do you th- if anyone is in on the tank in the organization, is it like Duke Tobin? That's it? Again, nobody is in on the tank. You, you think they're just this bad? I do. See, I think they were welcoming being this bad. Is that different than being on, in on the tank? That's not actively losing, but that is, we know we're going to suck this year. Here, here's how I'll be convinced that Duke Tobin was in on the tank. And the only way this happens is if they trade Andy Dalton immediately after the offseason, they cut Bobby Hart, they trade Cordy Glenn, right. maximize some draft capital, pick up a couple second, or not second, uh, third, fourth round picks. AJ and, Green's instantly healthy and they extend him. Like yeah. he just pops up right after the yeah. day after week 17. But the thing is, they didn't do anything at the trade deadline. Right, to unload people. That is the biggest single indicator that nobody in this right. organization has a clue of what they're doing. You're right. Because the Dolphins, like how many players the Dolphins have traded away in stockpiled picks and cap room. And it's not even necessarily right that the Dolphins did it, but they clearly had a plan, which was we want as many draft picks as we can get. They traded two players that are pro bowlers this year. Right, two players they now have to replace. And and that is the cost, right? But I'm not saying you trade away. And the Bengals don't have first-round assets at this point anyway. But you just trade the parts. You cut the, the fat a little bit. You don't. So, so, again, the way that I'm convinced it's a tank is if they move on from the moves they made last season, right? So Preston they re-signed Brown. Bobby Hart. They re-signed Preston Brown. So Preston Brown already gone. So you have to move on from BW Webb. You have to bring in a linebacker that actually matters. You have to move on from Bobby Hart. And then I can be convinced that you saw what was happening with this team for one year. And you mm-hmm. said, you know what? The the cost of losing one year of A.J. Green, Geno Atkins, Carlos Dunlap, the cost of eating what we paid for Cordy Glenn, that he will not be a part of this future. We tried with him. It didn't work. 
that was all something that they considered. But again, if, if that was a plan, they would have made moves at the deadline. Sure. They would have made different moves overall, I think. Sure. You know, because the injuries had a big impact. But yes. then they mismanaged the IR, so then now I kind of wonder if... But did you know, they? I mean, not, probably not in their opinion. Uh, are we going to talk about AJ Green? I don't think he's faking the injury, guys. All of you that think that he's sandbagging the Bengals, did we talk about this yesterday? I, I know we did off off the podcast, but I'm sick of it. Unless you have like actual evidence that AJ Green was healthy, yeah, I don't There's care no if evidence. he's I don't care if he's running routes pregame or if Dave Lapham says he looks good. That doesn't mean shit. Right. We had some other questions from right now. you want to get to, right? We do. Should we do that? Yeah, I want to talk about Joe Mixon a little more too. So that's going to be part of it, and we'll get to that in just a second. But if you're losing sleep the way Joe's losing sleep about this football game, go check out Casper. I've talked about this a few times. You can save 100 bucks on a mattress if you need a new bed. You need to sleep a little bit better. Go to casper.com slash LockedNFL and use promo code LockedNFL at checkout. That's 100 bucks off a mattress at casper.com. So, Joe, let's talk Joe Mixon first, then let's go back to the remaining questions that we had. We had one listener say, really, you don't want to re-sign Joe Mixon because analytics say so? And it's a little bit more complex than that, but the answer in short is yes. I also think he was asking. Like, really, that's not that he was questioning it, but really that's the the one thing. I mean, like, can't we use our eyes and use our hearts and say he's a good player that is brings a lot of passion, brings a lot of energy, is a spark for this offense? Isn't that good enough reason someone even tweeted today, uh, added on to to the debate? Um, isn't paying for leadership worth it? So you want to pay $15 million to Joe Mixon to be potentially a good running back, but also a good leader. I mean, the way that he could ever fulfill the value of a $15 million contract, if that's something he's after, if he thinks he was going to go out there and make Ezekiel Elliott money, then he has to contribute in the receiving game. We talked about that yesterday because running backs in the NFL just do not contribute to winning games. Even when you say if you run the ball, you can play for, for one. That's not even true. Play action doesn't need a running game to work. The, the passing game in the NFL today sets up the running game. The only way a running back could be worth that amount of money is if they make significant rule changes. And I, right. and I do have sympathy for running backs because it sucks. They get, Rookie deals, and then they get churned out. They, they, there's evidence that they're not worth any big contracts anymore, and that's bullshit because they should get paid for the years they're good. But just like you see in baseball, when you do that after the fact, that contract just becomes an albatross. Yeah, and I was thinking about this today. So what is the right answer? Because, uh, you know, I started debating with people a little bit on Twitter, and someone said, well, what if he only wants like $8 million a year? And I thought... Okay, I could, I could see that. Uh, not that I could see that he only wants eight million, but I, I could also see a lower market or a um, not as a strong market out there in free agency for Joe Mixon. And let's say it's eight, four years, um, thirty-two million range in that area, and it's eight million a year on average. I think that would be good for him, and it would be acceptable for the team because 
he would see the it'd be good for him number one because he would see the entirety of that contract. These guys that like Le'Veon Bell, he could be cut next year. Don't be surprised. David Johnson could be cut next year. Don't be surprised. I don't know how much money is left, like what they owe, but I don't think teams would care at that point because it's such a sunk cost when you start paying a veteran running back that I would warn Joe Mixon of that. I think running backs need to look at this. There's no the best kicker in the league's not asking for 15 million. You know what I mean? The the best running back should probably bring it back a little bit and say, hey, if I ask for 15, I may get it, but I may be cut in a year, two, three at most. Uh, and if I want to see the lifetime of my contract, because we talked yesterday about uh, having that security for the entirety of your contract, there's value to that that goes along with money. You need to balance that based on your own age, health, and life situation. But uh, for someone like Joe Mixon, he may get two paydays in his career because he's so young. If he took $8 million for four years now, it would be a significant pay increase for him, and it would also uh, allow him to see another deal again when he's 27 years old. It's just hard because a few guys in the NFL are making these massive contracts. Le'Veon Bell, the Jets cannot cut him. They eat $17 million of dead cap in 2020 if they cut him. They have an out after 2020, but okay. they're on the hook for two years. That's... And that's what I would do with Mixon, right? Is I, I'm front-loading that deal. So if I'm extending Mixon, I'm doing exactly what Le'Veon Bell's contract is, essentially. He got four years, $52 million, and a $13 million average annual salary, but all the guaranteed money, except for $6 million, is in the first two years. Sorry, except for $4 million, is in the first two years. So the Jets, they eat Le'Veon Bell on the roster for another year. Maybe a head coach comes in that's not Adam Gase and actually uses him properly. Maybe he has some productivity. And then you cut him after that year if he doesn't, and, and you're out $4 bucks. That would give you Joe that. Mixon to 2022, and by then you're really transitioning to Joe Burrow as the – I mean, you would probably by 2021, but you're really transitioning as he's your focal point, and you don't need that running back to carry it 350 times or touch it 350 times. Unless he's a freak and, and great, then go ahead. Yeah, and the only player in the NFL that's doing that right now is Christian McCaffrey. McCaffrey. That's and it. he is not enough for the Panthers <laughs> to be good. And that's every time we talk about it, any position besides quarterback, he, people talk about, oh, look at Detroit. They, they can't seem to replace their running back. They've been running the ball poor all season. And look who's playing quarterback for the Lions. Look at the rest of that team. And if you want to look at great running backs, Alvin Kamara and Christian McCaffrey are not very different players. One of them's on a team with Drew Brees. The other one's on a team with one of those generic White Allen quarterbacks. That's it. That's the difference, right? They're um, final pieces to an offense, running backs are. Yeah. And, and we looked at these contracts yesterday, and the only ones that I thought were good deals, like Mark Ingram, that's, that's great. That's an average of $5 million a year. He got three years. He's 29 years old, so he's a little bit older than Mixon. Right. How old is Joe Mixon right now? 22. 23. 23, okay. So who is the same age as Joe Mixon in the league that's getting a second deal? McCaffrey's going to be getting a second deal here, nope, in two years, so not McCaffrey. They're all from the same draft class, but McCaffrey has that fifth-year option. So does right. Leonard Fournette. So does um, – no, Kamara does not. So Kamara has – going to gonna be approaching a new deal. So I guess it's um, Gurley. Gurley yeah. signed his deal in 2018. He was 24. He yep. signed a four-year deal, $57 million deal. No How's thanks. How's that feel today? 
That's yeah. like, would you rather have Tyler Boyd or Joe Mixon? Here, look, you have to put it in this context, too. A starting running back, Joe Mixon plays as much as Andrew Billings. Like, they're role players on offense. They're not the focal point of offenses anymore. They're not every snap players. Even the bell cows like Mixon. He's not out there every play of the game. No. He's probably out there 70% of the snaps. Notice in the fourth quarter, play. he's on the bench because they're – they're down, and Giovanni Bernard's out there pass protecting. Now, well, Mixon's been out there a little bit more, mm-hmm. but there are so many times when they're in their two minutes and Mixon's out of the game. He's not part of what really takes to win the game at the end. I think he's going to go off this week. I think he has a chance to go oh, off yeah. next week Tear if, him he, up. if he's healthy. And I, I hope for Joe Mixon that he gets what's his. And I hope that the NFL can figure out this running back problem. And maybe it's a CBA thing. I don't, I don't right. really know. Maybe these teams can work out a better incentive structure for contracts. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, the NFLPA, every time, they're guar- they're, their focus is guaranteed money. And it's mm-hmm. just so hard to guarantee running backs money the way we see them fall off an absolute cliff at yep. age 25, 26 in 90% of cases. Yeah. And, you know, I hope Mixon, and that I want everyone to understand because I think most people do, but there's always that small percentage. Yeah. This is coming from two guys that absolutely love watching him run and think he is actually really good. It's like if he wasn't really good, yeah, if he wasn't really good, we'd be like, oh, you know, completely no. Hell but no. at least yeah. here, we're, we'd consider it at the right price, right? At the right price, absolutely. Like, I would even be willing to give him a, a big deal because these big deals are not going to look so bad in a couple of years. But I'm not giving him 15. I'm not giving him a Zeke deal or a Gurley deal. Oh, you can't. You cannot. But you can pay him $10 million a year, and then it's okay. Right. Because That's why I said eight to start, and maybe it's 10 at the end. You know, because Bengals will honor a four-year deal, I, yeah. I feel. And and again, you front load it. You put the guaranteed money up front, so the player gets his money. So you guarantee out of that forty million dollars, maybe you guarantee twenty million. Mm-hmm. Joe Mixon gets his twenty million. He gets eighteen million of that money in the first two years. And then if he gets cut after that, that's guaranteed anyway. He still gets paid the money. It just doesn't get it right away. And and then everybody kind of wins there if he gets hurt. Four years, forty million. You sign that this off season, so it's really four years. It's really five years for forty-one million because of what he's making as a second-round pick this year, or whatever. It's probably two million or one point five in that range for the fourth year. Uh, and it's really at that point then it's much cheaper, and you can stomach that. There's a way to do it. It's just it depends on what Mixon's looking for. If he's trying to, if he's trying to be the the highest-paid running back in the NFL, and he doesn't really have the traditional argument for this. He led the AFC in rushing last year, true, but everyone was hurt. And he did he was he a Pro Bowler last year? He isn't this no, year. No, he's never. And he, you can tell, he doesn't get voted on this stuff a lot. The NFL kind of stays hush hush on him still yeah. uh, because uh, you read the comments, and yeah, not every team would be interested in signing Joe Mixon. I hope he understands that. Also, I think he probably does. I think I think that's a part of it. Although, again, we've we've talked about this. You have to, with all people in life, you have to at some point give second chances. By all accounts, Mixon has been a stand up person. Since, you know, in the last five years, since he was 18. But when he headbutted that Browns guy the other game in like the first drive, I thought, man, this is the first time I've actually ever seen Mixon lose his cool on the field. And it was surprising. Yeah, I was very surprised. I was like, what, what's going on here? Right. 
And, and they, I, I wrongly probably immediately thought of his incident in Oklahoma when that happened because I thought, man, this is really the first time any negative type. Yeah. I mean, I've seen him get angry, but not, not where he can't control himself. And that right there was just like, whoa, what happened? Uh, when you see stuff like that, I wonder what's said because right, I always do. Sometimes guys, and this was Miles Garrett too. Not again, not excusing Miles Garrett, but I wonder what was said. Yeah. So there's some other questions here. It kind of goes on. I was going to put it with your rant on uh, right before the, uh, the the segment started, and it's from Nick Greer at uh, Cable Commando. Is he, he asks, is it safe to say there was no way Green would have been traded? And I think this is under the idea that he wasn't healthy. So you really couldn't have traded him at that point. He wouldn't have passed the physical with somebody else. He probably wouldn't have, but it depends on what – we don't really know. Like it might have been that he was ready – to go and then had a setback. Maybe he aggravated the injury, right? So mm-hmm. that's if, what it sounds. The timeline wise, it sounds like he reaggravated it after the trade deadline. Right. So if that's actually what happened, then maybe he could have been traded. It's the reports were that several of these teams were trying hard to get him, but you do risk then you trade AJ Green. He doesn't pass a physical. Mm-hmm. Awkward. Yeah, that would be, and they get sent back, and you've already traded him. Yeah, imagine, but. I also read that he asked not to be traded. Maybe that was part of it, right? Mm-hmm. He was, still wasn't feeling comfortable, and he knew that would be brought up. Uh, another one is Bomb for Burrow at Queen City Fan. Can we give the listeners an in-depth lowdown of what the franchise tag actually is? So the franchise tag is a tool that exists for NFL teams to ensure that they have essentially exclusive rights to one of their unrestricted free agents. There are technically a few different types of franchise tags that exist. There's a non-exclusive franchise tag, which is what is generally used. It's a one-year offer that is the average of the top five salaries at the position over the last five years, or 120% of his previous salary, whichever is higher. And that player can negotiate with other teams, so if the Bengals tag Green, Green can still negotiate with other teams, but the Bengals would have the right to match their offer or receive two first-round picks as compensation if he signed elsewhere. So you very rarely, if ever, would see mm-hmm. a player sign elsewhere after being franchise tagged. The only time I would imagine this could happen is if like the Chiefs franchise tag Patrick Mahomes. There's... It says two first-round picks, but if that player signs an extension with you, you can trade them then at any, for any compensation. So you, that compensation can be negotiated if you find the loopholes through it. And I don't know, is, is there still listed the transition tag? Can the, they use that anymore? Yeah, the transition tag is still out there as well. It is an average of the top 10 salaries at the position. Guarantees the original club first rate of refusal so they can match any offer the player receives, and then they get to keep the player and there's no compensation if the deal doesn't happen. So the most recent transition tags, Kyle Fuller, 2018 from the Bears. Uh, the Bears ended up matching a contract offer he got from the Green Bay Packers. Do you remember when the Bengals used it? The transition tag. Yeah, not the franchise tag. I know who it was. Steinbach? Nope. Justin Smith? Was it, was it uh, Steinbach? And I don't think about it, but no, but I was Takeo Spikes, actually. Oh. Yeah, it was Marvin's first year there, and they weren't sure on, you know, if Marvin was going to turn it around. Spikes has been losing for so long. 
they couldn't come to an agreement. The Bengals put the transition tag on him, and Buffalo signed him. Bengals did not match. I think that's correct. I don't think they used any sort of tag on Steinbach in retrospect. I think he just walked. Yeah, I think so, too. And Justin Smith also just walked. Yeah, I think so, too. A lot of we talked about these all yesterday. A lot of players just walked. We didn't talk about Steinbach, but Willie Anderson, Eric Steinbach, Justin Smith, Andrew Whitworth. There's been too many. Jonathan Joseph, Marvin Jones, Mohamedson. I mean, there's it's it goes on. It way too many. They have kept players because I know there's someone chirping right now. They've kept players, yes, they have, but they have let guys go that probably would have made this roster like extremely talented, right? How often do you see so like is this every team? Is it just weird because mm. it's the Bengals? But I mean, Peyton Manning left the Colts. Yeah, well, they also were in line to draft Andrew Luck. Yes, that is uh, certainly a factor. So what about who are other franchise players like Keyshawn Johnson left Tampa? Jerry he left the Rice Jets originally, yeah. Jerry Rice left San Francisco. That's true. Yep. Tara Lowens yep. is all over the place. Randy Moss is all over the place. There's there's a lot of guys. But then like Emmett Smith. No, Emmett Smith left too. Cardinals. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not that crazy. Not that um, uncommon. But the Bengals had a lot more players do it after their rookie contract. Right. That's the my concern is the guys that are in their prime. Like when when they were in 2011 and Justin Smith was still playing really well and they didn't have Jonathan Joseph. And I, I just kept thinking, if they had those two guys, we wouldn't. because remember they needed a D-end in a yep. corner. Remember they start Kelly Jennings in a playoff game. Uh, and I was like, if they just had those two guys, I'd feel fantastic about this roster right now. And they could have fit them under the cap if they would have managed it a little bit better. What's and, crazy is that Joseph is still playing well. I know. It's crazy he's still playing because durability was the question between him and Leon Hall, which should never have been – they. For a year and a half, they pitted that they could only sign one of those guys, right? How many articles from Jeff Hobson on Bengals.com? Oh, they only got money for one of these guys, and Leon Hall's been durable. It's J. Joe's been the guy that's missed two games this year, and then Jonathan Joseph's still playing at a high level. Hall, quickly, you know, you can't predict this stuff, but a couple of Achilles injuries, and uh, while he was really good, maybe even better for a year, uh, that's it once you start getting hurt. He's finally having... I think the the age catch up to him a little bit. He has not been as good this year. And I haven't really kept track lately because he was just solid from 2009 to 2018. Just rock solid corner in the NFL this year. That is starting to slow down a little bit, but he's 30, 35 and a half, 36 years old. Those guys that are like elite athletes, especially with speed end up lasting a little bit longer. I feel like. Well, that's why we talked about who's the guy from Houston that we liked in the draft. From Houston, Brandon Wilson. No, no, no. On he didn't this year. The corner from Houston, the Bengals oh, did not yeah. draft him. Raiders got him. Yeah, what was his name? I don't remember now, but I know who you're talking about. Lonnie Johnson. No, that's Kentucky. Isaiah Johnson, drafted by the Raiders, like you said, in the fourth round. And crazy good athlete, 100th percentile athlete. Hasn't really put it together yet, but he was hurt for most of the year. He's only played in four games. Limited snaps. Yeah, and it's just those you know, those athletes. Like, I was thinking about this with John Ross, talking about the fifth-year option. If he ends up being Ted Ginn, he's going to play somewhere for 10 years and just, you know, maybe he's hurt, maybe he drops balls, but someone's going to want him and someone's going to play him. But is that worth $15 million? No, but that's 15 for one year. You could still work on a contract extension. 
What if the, what if they didn't give him the fifth year option, just worked on an extension? Right, and that's very possible. Has that happened? Rarely has it happened. I just read a tweet on this, but I kind of kept skipping through it. It's if you don't get that fifth year option picked up, it's generally a sign that you're done. You know, that's it. Three years is usually pretty good sample size for these first round picks. Uh, one that's happening in Buffalo right now, Shaq Lawson. They didn't pick it up on him. Now he's having a really yeah. good year for them, yeah. and they're kind of like, well, we want him, and he's young, so we got to work on an extension. I wonder what happens. That'll be very interesting to watch. Yeah. He's an off-ball linebacker? No, I mean, they there are multiple defense, but no, he's a, he's a he's right a defense for them right now. Yeah. All right, Corey Littleton or Bust. That's going to do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. The Dolphins play the Bengals in Miami on Sunday. If you are booking a last-minute ticket, remember to go to our friends at the Kimpton Epic Miami Hotel. 10 minutes from the beach, 20 minutes from the stadium. Really warm weather. Much warmer than it is here where I am on the west coast of Canada. Probably in Cincinnati, too. I imagine it's winter there. Anyway, until then, Bengals fans, we're back Sunday. Have a good one. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.